0: Happy April Fool's Day, listeners. Welcome to our April Fool's Day episode. This part is not an April Fool's. This is a real message. I just wanted to apologize because uh, we had some recording problems with this episode. There was a massive storm going on in the background and we didn't think the microphones were picking it up, but it turns out they definitely were. Uh, I tried to fix as much of that as possible while editing, but maybe the audio in this one is not great and not up to our usual standard, so sorry for that. That's all, just wanted to give you a heads up before we head in, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope that this gives you a little bit of laughter and a little bit of levity in the middle of what is a truly frightening situation for everyone all over the world. Love from Rhea and Jem, wishing everyone all over the world health and safety and you know, a a little bit of fun as well. Happy April Fool's Day! To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you, but first we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is Gilderoy Lockhart, A Fanciful Fool. Hello listeners, I'm Rhea. And I'm Jem. And today on this special April Fool's Day, we are talking about the fool, Gilderoy Lockhart. So I thought it would be prudent on this day to talk about one of the biggest fools in the series, one of my favourite characters to read and watch, <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart. I don't know when was the last time you watched The Chamber of Secrets, but Kenneth Branagh's performance is iconic It's incredible honestly. Uh <laughs> oh, Lockhart's amazing. He's he's one of the best characters in the series. Not in the sense that like he's a good character, but in terms of like an iconic character that really stands out. Yeah. Oh my god, Gildor Lockhart, he's fantastic. I'm obsessed with him. The cultural impact. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about him. Okay, okay, so can I start by telling you what my like central fascination with gilderoy lockhart is oh please okay so here's the thing that i'm most obsessed with when it comes to gilderoy lockhart it's the contradiction okay (laughs) because on the surface gilderoy lockhart is the least self-aware character ever written like he's a walking (laughs) parody of himself but yeah once you dig deeper i feel like he's actually completely self-aware like he knows exactly who he is and what he wants and he does whatever it takes to get it yes but there's a there's a third level as well where i think that he's actually the only character in harry potter with enough awareness of the world around him to cheat the system oh yeah i feel like gilderoy lockhart he's like the conversations that we have. Like when we do episodes and we're like, what if you were in the wizarding world? How would you use an invisibility cloak? What if you had to fight Voldemort? Like, it's like that because it's like he's thinking from a meta perspective, but he's doing it in canon. Like, how would you use a memory chump? How would you become famous? How would you exploit the incompetence of everyone in the wizarding world? Like, look, maybe he's just a regular criminal and like, it's not as... (laughs) impressive or interesting as I'm making it sound. But just something about the way that Lockhart thinks and acts, it really sticks out to me as different from the behaviour yeah. and motivations of literally every other character in the series. Yeah, Do you get, do you get what I mean? He's the only character I can compare him to is Rita Skeeter, in terms of how observant he is of the world around him and how willing he is to bend the rules in order to get the best benefits for himself mm. in a way that avoids suspicion, and wins over hundreds and hundreds of people. It's so impressive. Like, I'm impressed. <laughs> like. Yeah. Rita, Rita Skeeter's a good example of being willing to break the law, being very manipulative, using magic in a way that subverts the expectations of everyone around her. Mm. She's good. I just... But I feel like Rita Skeeter is still playing within the system. Like, yeah. she's still trying, she's trying to be a good journalist and get lots of attention. Something about the way that Gilderoy Lockhart like, goes away and then comes back with a new book about himself and he's, all of this self-promotion that he does, it's almost like he's creating a role for himself in society, which is to be loved and adored by lots of people putting in the least amount of effort. That's what it's, it feels like Gilderoy Lockhart is shaping the world to be what he wants it to be. He's like an Instagram influencer, but way ahead of his time. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he's a walking <sighs> meme. Yes. I love him. But he's an Instagram influencer without the framework of Instagram to support him. Honestly. Imagine trying to be an Instagram influencer without social media or Instagram yeah. and succeeding. <laughs> he just... He just wants to be famous, that's all he wants. He's incredible, I love him. I wanna be famous. Yeah. That's his entire motto. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and everything he does is so <sighs> perfect, and his entire arc just fits the archetype with the fool so wonderfully. I just, I love it. So, let's talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, his mum's a witch, okay. dad's a muggle, bit of a nasty shock for him when he found out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he had... <laughs> when he found out... <laughs> He had two older sisters, and they are both squibs. Uh, but he was a wizard, and so he was already mum's mm-hmm. favourite, for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe she's sexist. But then when it was discovered that Gildory was a wizard, it's like, oh my god, he is not only the best in this family, but he is the best wizard in the world. And this, like, made his vanity grow like a tenacious weed. Yeah, you can see where the superiority complex starts off straight away. Uh, apparently he almost got sorted his Slytherin, but, like, he eventually got put into Ravenclaw. The way, like, Pottermore and wiki, though, phrased this is that he narrowly escaped being sorted into Slytherin. It's like, again, I hate it. <laughs> like, <but laughs> I to say that he almost got to Slytherin, but he was put yeah. the house. Anyway. Oh my god. Listeners, if you want to read fucking, I don't even know, thousands of words of concentrated sass, read the HP wiki entry on Gilderoy Lockhart. <laughs> Every single line is so sassy. So... Just trying to tear Lockhart apart. It's got no sympathy for no. him whatsoever. It's fantastic. It's how I would write about Snape. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I was running the wiki. I know. He was four years younger than the Marauders, so he was attending Hogwarts in, like, the 70s? No, 80s. Yes. So he started on September 1975, which means that his seventh year was in 1981 which is the first year that Snape started teaching so that means that there was a period of time where Gilderoy Lockhart was a student in Snape's class and I love that I'm so happy oh my god so it would have been (laughs) 7th year no way Lockhart would have qualified for potions newts no way probably not like but was he good at anything except for memory charms so charms I guess so he would have been good in charms. Yeah, I mean, it but say. the teacher before Snape was Horace Slughorn, and Horace Slughorn was all about who you know. Hmm. So he might have seen potential in Lockhart and wanted him in his class. Hmm. Then again, he might have been turned off by Lockhart's like desire just for attention. Because Slughorn's like, "That's my stick. Get out of here." <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Slughorn's wise enough for that. <laughs> so. Mm. So, like, he'd always thought he was an extraordinary wizard, and the fact that he got into Hogwarts and realised that he was just sort of an average student, there were more exceptional students than him, really pained him. Like, he was trying his best to be exceptional, but no one was noticing him. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't try at something unless he was confident he would be the best yep. at that thing. <laughs> Which kind of, like... Kind of mood. Which is, I mean, just... <laughs> I don't like to try at things unless I know I'm going to succeed. Yeah. Like, especially when it comes to, like, when I was in high school, I just didn't give a fuck about PE or anything like that because I'm like, I know I'm not good at this. Why should I bother? Like, yeah, yeah big mood. <laughs> it's definitely like a, like a former gifted kid mood Mm. where it's like, you're told that you're so special and important for so long and everything should be really easy for you. And then as the second something's challenging and you don't get it straight away, you're like, it's impossible. I can't do this. Oh my God, I'm a failure. Everyone's going to hate me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some ambitions that he shared with everyone who would listen, uh, is that he, number one, (laughs) in this order, number one, he would succeed in creating the philosopher's stone before, Leaving school. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, Number two, he intended to captain the England's Quidditch team to World Cup glory. And number three, Uh. become Britain's youngest minister for magic. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he thought he could go straight from a highly successful Quidditch career, which would have taken years of dedication and training, into the most important politician in the country. (laughs) With no, like, training. (laughs) First, he's got to master alchemy, <laughs> which takes years and years of study. Yeah, but he was gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> before he left school. But he was gonna do that before graduating high school. <laughs> you got to feel sorry for him a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> he's so <laughs> arrogant and he's so big-headed that he just can't even see it. I actually don't feel sorry for him at all. I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> he gives me like Rachel Berry vibes from Glee. Except she was actually talented. That's the difference. Oh, God. Imagine if Rachel Berry wasn't talented and that's, that's Gilbert Lockhart in high school. (laughs) If Rachel Berry couldn't sing and was the worst in the class. God, that's the worst person I can imagine. (laughs) Rachel Berry already sucks. So he was Ravenclaw Seeker. He begged the headmaster at the time. So I looked up when he went to school And it was a bit of an exchange in in leadership. So when he first started, it was probably Dippet was still in command in his first year, but then it transferred to Dumbledore in command. Mm -hmm. So he begged the headmaster at the time to start a school newspaper purely so he could see his own name in print. And I have to think that If he'd have asked this of Dippet, Dippet would have just allowed it. So, the fact that he begged to do it makes me think he was begging Dumbledore this. And this must have been Dumbledore's first clue into who Gilderoy Lockhart was. (laughs) Oh, God. It does make sense when he later becomes a writer, though. Like, do you think he became a writer just because he he liked seeing his name? (laughs) Absolutely. The reason that he wanted to write was to be able to walk into a bookstore and see his name everywhere. That's the reason. God. The way people get famous in the wizarding world is the daily prophet. Mm-hmm. So seeing a name in print's important. That's true. It's not like there's television. <laughs> no. That's it. It's just journalism and and books. That's the only form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And radio, I guess. But he's too handsome for radio. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. If it was radio, he would Unlike wouldn't... us. <laughs> <laughs> unlike us. The perfect amount of handsome for radio. <laughs> We've got the face of podcasting. he could have become a big radio star but then he would never get to see his face with a book you get to have a photo of him on the front cover because all of his front covers are a photo of him (laughs) yeah and then he gets what like 200 pages at least to just talk about himself (laughs) And books have almost complete creative control, right? Like, you know, the, the editor and the publisher can have some say, but I doubt there's much editing and publishing business in the wizarding world. You can pretty much self-publish. Yeah. Well, obviously nobody was doing any <laughs> fact-checking on a, on his books at all. No. So despite all of his exploits to make himself popular and well-liked in school, um, he wasn't garnering the attention he no- he craved, so he did more extreme mes- measures to get noticed, such as carving his name onto the Quidditch pitch in 20-foot-high letters. This earned him several weeks in detention. Ah, incredible. <laughs> this is funny to me because, like, I would get maybe a nerdy student doing this, but he was a jock. He was a, he was the Ravenclaw seeker. He had to use that Quidditch pitch for, like, <laughs> practice and stuff. Surely he got kicked off the team for that. Uh, you can't disrespect the pitch. All I can think of is, do you remember that Simpsons episode where, like... Willie the groundskeeper at the school has to use some sort of weed killer yeah. to do something on the lawn and Bart sees it and he uses the weed killer to write Bart yeah. in giant letters all across the lawn. And when yeah. he gets in trouble, he's like, hmm, maybe it was one of the other Barts at the school. And Skinner's like, there are no other Barts at this school. <laughs> yeah. He also signed his name. It's literally like that. Yeah. It's like that fucking scene in Adrian you Remember those books? Where Adrian is depressed in the toilet and he writes the love poem on the toilet cubicle and signs his name to it. And the teachers are like, we know it was you because you signed your fucking name to it, you dumbass. (laughs) It's literally the exact same thing where he's like, maybe it was one of the other A moles. I was like, there's nobody else with that surname. (laughs) You idiot. It's just so dumb. It's like, (sighs) God, he could have written anything. Like, it's so uniconic. Like, his goal wasn't to destroy something or i don't know get away with something his goal was to get lots of attention even if it's negative attention so he wants everyone mm. to read his name he wants everyone to know it was him yeah like he wasn't even trying to send a message that would get him popularity like the fact that like in the books when like neville luna and ginny were putting giant graffiti on the castle being like dumbledore's army still uh-huh. recruiting that's an iconic move and that's like hogwarts legend yeah. but they didn't just write their <laughs> names on the wall <laughs> Like he has he has so much potential to be like iconic and like as like a Hogwarts legend with this, some of these pranks but the fact that he's just centering it around himself yeah. turns him into a meme and not like a legend yes, you know what absolutely. i mean Yes <laughs> absolutely Like he could have just if he just thought about it a bit more mm-hmm. <laughs> Like oh it's so close <sighs> <laughs> So he also created a spell this is my favorite fact that I've ever learned about any character in Harry Potter he created a spell Underline created a spell that shot a hologram of his own face into the sky in imitation of the dark mark that is crazy because what this would have been happening while the first Voldemort War had already started so like it's not like it's uh-huh. not like this article is comparing it to the dark mark he literally modeled this after the dark mark but his face how oblivious can you be how insensitive how oblivious how stupid it's just so dumb like and it's so the image i cannot get it out of my head like imagine you're just at school and you're walking from one class to the other and you hear someone go hey look and you follow their finger pointing up and it's just that dude that you sit next to in chemistry class, his fucking sixty foot high hologram face up above <laughs> you, grinning down. It's like what what do you even think? Like <laughs> uh, 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 it's uh, it's so insane. It's also got such big keith from the Try Guys energy, not in like a negative way, because obviously <laughs> it's a pretty negative situation. But Keith just likes to see his face yeah. everywhere all the time, so he's often doing pranks where he yeah. puts, like, a giant version of his face onto his friend's car or something like that. Yeah. But it's funny when <laughs> Keith does it. Or, like, when he's taking a picture and he goes, Keith, <laughs> instead of cheese. It's like that. Fuck. Oh, God. Lockhart would so be, yeah. like, a YouTube star. Oh, he would. Oh, my gosh. He would have a TikTok. Mm. Um... <laughs> He also sent himself 800 Valentine's Day cards at breakfast, <laughs> and breakfast was cancelled due to the amount of droppings and feathers in the porridge. 800! <laughs> I just found this out because I'm playing the Valentine's Day quest in Hogwarts Mystery right now. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> so, I don't know if you remember this, but we did an episode where we talked about how many students went to Hogwarts, and I estimated <laughs> around 700 students. So, there are more owls dropping off letters in the Great Hall than there are students in the Great Hall on that morning of Valentine's Day. Can you imagine the smell of bird? (laughs) Just... (laughs) Oh, that's ghastly. Oh, that's horrible. It's awful. Ugh. It's like when you go to Corumbin Wildlife Sanctuary and they have at the end of the day the thing where you feed the bird and you stand basically in the middle of this like town square mm-hmm. looking place and hold bird feet above your head and just you hear this squawking and flapping of wings and there's just so many fucking birds descending on you and just, it just it's just a cloud thick with birds. So many birds. <laughs> that but 800 of 800. 800. <laughs> Uh, 800 valentines it really feels like do you think he wrote himself 800 anonymous valentines or do you think he made it seem like every single individual student had sent him a valentine i think it i think he made it seem like all the students Which sent is wild. Him, even though that's such an easy ploy to debunk but he sets himself up for failure oh god of course he does because he doesn't think that far ahead He just thinks how impressed everyone will be when they see all of his many Valentines, not how annoyed they're going to be when they can't eat breakfast because of the many, many birds. So then we get into his career as an author from 1982 to 92. Mm -hmm. So he graduated in 1982 with a faint sigh of relief from the school staff, (laughs) which just, it makes me wonder so much because surely some of the staff would have remembered him from his student days and yet they still, like had him back as a a fellow teacher in 92 and they just sort of accepted that oh he's changed I guess even though he continued to prove them wrong I don't think they (laughs) thought he'd changed (laughs) Dumbledore brought him in because Dumbledore wanted to teach him a lesson yeah that's the whole point of him (laughs) being hired which is why Dumbledore hires a surprising amount of his stuff is to teach someone a lesson (laughs) So yeah, I should elaborate. Um, Dumbledore suspected because one of Dumbledore's old friends or companions or something was one of the wizards that Gilderoy Lockhart duped in his con. And so Dumbledore tried to communicate with this man, but this man seemed addled and forgetful. And so he sort of put two and two together and realised that Gilderoy Lockhart was a con man. And so his idea to expose Gilderoy Lockhart was to hire him as a teacher to teach him a lesson... (laughs) <laughs> and because he figured it's still educational for the students because they can learn what not to do. And I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This is... Who is a bigger fool? Gilderoy or Dumbledore? It's <laughs> like... Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Dumbledore is such a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what I've got here is he correctly believed that dragging Lockhart into a normal school atmosphere would reveal his fraudulence. So, like, it's so frustrating because he was Right. Because as soon as Lockhart was put in a structured environment where he couldn't just say shit and not substantiate it, where he had to actually demonstrate that he could do the things that he claimed to do, everything just crumbled around him and everyone realized that he was a fraud. So it's infuriating that Dumbledore was correct. Yeah. (laughs) But also the other part that really, really got me was... Dumbledore slyly hinted that Harry Potter was a second-year student at the school, and being a teacher to the famous Harry would propel Lockhart's fame into the stratosphere. (laughs) Ego, fame, hunger, and glory, thirst overruled caution, and Lockhart took the job. I love Dumbledore fucking just being a total puppet master and also exploiting Harry's fame without his knowledge. Yep. The same thing that he does with Slughorn. (laughs) Yes. It's a fucking pattern. (laughs) Dumbledore's the worst. Yeah. Like, it's such a disservice to the students, like, god, the fucking poor students trying to get through that year and just learn one thing, one useful thing in Defence Against the Dark Arts. What if you wanted to become an aura, and you fucking failed your exams because you didn't learn anything useful, because Dumbledore decided to teach a grown man a lesson by making him a teacher, rather than just exposing him in the Daily Prophet like a normal Mm -hmm. human. Like, it's so fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... So, be- like, before he got hired as a teacher, I just need to <laughs> explain some more about Gilderoy. Yeah. So, according to Harry Potter wiki, he was doing his whole shtick where he goes to overseas, hears with his stories, oblivious them, and then, like, uses their stories to sell books. But this sole focus on memory charms... Yeah. Would deteriorate his abilities nearly beyond repair. It kept on implying in the whole article that because he was basically only good at memory charms, he lost all of his other magical abilities. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> this is so weird. The way that it was written was really confusing because it's it's implied that like it's like his power was draining away, but that's not correct. See, here's here's something it says. Lockhart's once-powerful potential had been wasted from years of misuse and neglect, resulting in him being unable to properly teach or even understand what he was attempting at times. So it's not like his his magic stopped working because he focused on memory charms. It's more like... Because because we've already established that he doesn't do anything unless he's the best at it, he just stopped using all of his other spells and only ever used memory charms because he was really good at memory charms. Oh, god. He's such an idiot. He's like, I'm I'm a wizard. I'm all powerful. I have magic. I could do literally anything. But because I'm not the best at it, I'm just not even gonna try. He makes me want to scream. Oh my god! <laughs> In the good way or the bad way. <laughs> Both, honestly. Another thing that happened while writing his second book, Gattling with Ghouls, he became overexposed and this damaged his popularity. So, he falsed his own kidnapping by trolls in the wilds of Stockton on Tees, going missing for three weeks and boosting his popularity again. Mm. This is kind of clever because this shows his self awareness. (laughs) Like, he's gaining popularity with his books and he's like oh no, sh- people are going to realise I'm a total con artist. And this started to happen on the fringes of the media, probably. And so he's like, gone. I disappeared. I've been kidnapped. Oh, feel sorry for me. And then it fucking worked. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what it reminded me of? It's ludicrous. It's so crazy. It just might work. Oh, it's so crazy. It reminded me of Balloon Boy. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. This happened several years ago and like... I, I haven't looked up all the details, so jump in. But basically what happened is, I think it was somewhere in America, emergency services got a call being like, oh my god, I was sending up a weather balloon, but my son climbed into it, and now my son's in the weather balloon, that's it's up in the sky, and oh my god, he's lost, and I need to get him back, and it, like broke out into a media frenzy it lasted for days with people tracking this balloon trying to get it back down Everyone being like this my son's up there and it turned out that the son was not in the balloon at all he was hiding in the attic at home and all of this was a publicity stunt by the father to try and launch his reality tv show (laughs) it's so wild i can't believe this happened oh yeah balloon boy what the fuck oh my god by the inventor of the bear scratch if you've ever seen that fucking ad oh fuck that's the same guy (laughs) yeah the same guy (laughs) did the balloon boy thing oh my god the real life gilderoy (laughs) god yeah incredible (laughs) so okay then lockhart's hired okay so here's something i wrote down so his book list for defense against the dark arts for all his own books (laughs) And all up, it costs thirty-five yep. galleons each student. So I did some math here. That's uh-huh. three hundred four dollars yep. and fifty cents Australian. So if I was a student, that's how much I'd have to pay for the book set. And if about seven hundred students are going to Hogwarts and doing Defense Against the Dark Arts, that's Lockhart just earned himself a neat like two hundred thirteen thousand dollars one hundred two hundred thirteen thousand one hundred fifty dollars, like. He fucking made that. That is nuts. got $300? (laughs) I thought it was $200. We may have used different conversion things. No, I, I did the conversion rate that was on Harry Potter Wiki. Oh, okay. Yeah. About $300 per student, and let's say not even 700, maybe 600 students are doing it. That's still like. Yeah nearly $200,000. Oh my god, but... <laughs> just from the book list. Yeah, that's just his money as well. <laughs> Think of it from the student's perspective, because they're paying $300 yeah, just for his books, but they also needed other books. Like, if you're a first-year student, you need all these fucking books, and if you're anyone yeah. else, you need the standard book of spells for the grade you're in, and whatever extra books for any extracurricular subjects you're doing. God, I don't know how the Weasleys managed. They had... yeah. They had the fucking five kids in school at that point, right? Yeah. That's insane. Uh, Ginny got hers for free because Harry gave them to her, so that's four kids they still have to pay for. That's (laughs) $1,200 worth of just books for one class. Fred and George would have definitely been sharing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Who else was there? (laughs) Self-setting. Percy? Uh, Ron and Percy. He might not have been doing Defence Against the Dark Arts, though. Percy, because he he would have been above fifth year at that point, right? He was a prefect. Yeah, because he was a prefect. Yeah, okay. Hmm. He might not have been in defense against the dark arts. Percy strikes me as really, really practical. He might have been like, "Well, there's a different teacher every year. It's mm. wildly inconsistent. I never know if I'm going to pass or not." So he might have dropped it because it's not necessary for his career. That's fair. So just even that's just Ron and Fred and George. Like that's. So, so you might wrong. have been able to get away with two sets. Yeah. Oh god. It's still so much money. Still seventy galleons. That's just for one class. Oh god. For one class. For one class. Ginny needs all of her books because it's her first year there. She yeah. would have gotten hand me downs from the others though. Mm-hmm. God. So. Ugh. He's the worst. Such a dick move. Dumbledore's the worst. He should have stopped him. <laughs> this is typical Gilderoy behaviour. <laughs> Dumbledore knows that the students are going to have to be spending 35 galleons per fucking student for just one class and he just let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes, Dumbledore should not have allowed this. Dumbledore should have been like, we are going to buy one set of your books and they will be the classroom exactly. books. And you will have one set of books per class. You do not need every single student to have a copy of every single one of your books. You can't." cunt. Oh, fuck. It's like the worst version of when the professor sets their own work as the reading. Like, just... Yeah, but like if if they set their entire published work, it's not just the one book. And then he had to pay... $300 to access it on fucking JSTOR <laughs> Jesus Christ so he also decorated his classroom and office with pictures and portraits of himself and his own books I, my favourite detail in the mm-hmm. movie is the portrait of painting yes. Gilderoy painting another Gilderoy and there's a shot where mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh Gilderoy is standing next to this portrait admiring it and winking at it <laughs> and it's just oh, so perfect so- i started thinking about this because i wrote this down and I wanted to talk about it just first of all standing next to a giant life-size portrait of yourself painting a portrait of yourself as a fancy lord fantastic 10 out of 10 i wish i could have that in my house incredible but okay so the portrait of himself the painting version Is doing the painting and it's moving. Yes. Is the portrait that the painting is painting moving or is it also still? It's still. I checked. Okay. That is so bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why? Why doesn't it move? (laughs) No, it makes sense. It makes sense because... Does it? how the portraits work is that while they're being painted, there's a potion applied to them and the wizard who is the subject of the portrait yeah. sits next to it and sort of gives it information. That's what I understand. So it doesn't make sense that the painting that painting Gilderoy was painting within the portrait would be moving because it couldn't have that process applied to it because it's a portrait within a portrait. Does that make sense? Okay. The portrait within a portrait. That makes sense. If like the world of the portrait exists But you got to think of it as an entire art piece, right? So don't think of it as a portrait with, like, one level of a guy doing a painting and one level of the guy being painted. Think of it as a portrait of two guys. And the entire thing is being painted by an artist using magical paint. So if the magical paint brings one of the guys to life and has him move, why not the other one? Okay. Well, maybe the portrait of Gilderoy within the Gilderoy portrait wasn't finished yet when the guy painting it... Oh, no, wait, that doesn't make any (laughs) sense. Yeah, yeah okay oh <laughs> i don't understand i know we need to stop because otherwise this will spawn its own episode <laughs> but like i had a miniature panic attack when i was doing the research for this episode <laughs> okay. and I, I couldn't i couldn't skip past it. i have to bring it up we have got to do an episode on portraits it's how have we gone this long without talking about portraits absolutely it's been on our list forever. Oh, we've got to talk about portraits. What are they, How do they? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I know. So I'm going to do yep. rapid fire some more dumb shit that Gilderoy did. Uh, the whole Cornish Pixies thing. <laughs> Freshly caught Cornish Pixies. How the fuck did he get them in there? <laughs> like, for one thing. <laughs> and second of oh. all, <laughs> just fucking releasing them into the classroom. <laughs> Uh, the chaos. It's a wild. Where where did he get them from? I never thought about that. Where did he get them from? <laughs> I always assumed that he like bought them. We know he's not good at magic, so there's no way he like acquired them in or anything. Like he, he must, must have bought, he them. bought them from a trader or something. Can you just buy? <laughs> but he said they were freshly caught. Oh, uh, that would have just been a lie. <laughs> he was just lying. Fair. He yeah. He might have been like Hagrid. I need <laughs> you to catch a bunch of pixies for me but it doesn't seem like Hagrid would go along with that shit maybe maybe if Hagrid hasn't caught on to the fact that he's a dick yet and he's like oh you know new professor's asking me for something I should do it I just I fully I just imagine him with a big net and (laughs) doing it himself but I'm like no he wouldn't do that because he's not good at anything except memory (laughs) charms so I just (laughs) I just assume he bought it yeah he had to it's the Um, only way (laughs) yeah because he doesn't know anything about these fucking pixies. If he'd caught them himself, he would have realised they were too dangerous to release in a classroom, and that could make mm-hmm. him look bad. But he's no. too dumb. And so he must have bought them, been assured they were freshly caught, or just lied about it, shook <laughs> them in the cage and didn't feed them for a week, and then released them into a classroom full of 12-year-olds <sighs> for kicks. He's <This> incredible. <laughs> I love oh, he's so, so funny. <laughs> He'd constantly give unsolicited advice to other professors about their own professions, which, can you imagine the staff room conversations he would have had with Snape? Can you just imagine? Uh, (laughs) Look, Lockhart does a lot of dumb shit. Hands down, the stupidest thing he ever did was look Minerva McGonagall directly in the eye and tell her how to do her job. That was a buffoonery. It's incredible that they didn't try and kill him until the end of the year. God. Because straight up, let's talk about the fact that the teachers all tried to kill him. Yeah, they all got so tired of him that they're like, "Go die." They're like, "Why don't you go down there, Gilderoy? Go save the girl yourself. You could, you could so do it." They all, they're all setting him up to die because they hate him so much. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being that ostracized in the workplace. McGonagall's like, we'll leave it to you then, Gilderoy. Tonight will be an excellent time to do it. We'll make sure everyone's out of your way. You'll be able to tackle the monster all by yourself A free reign at last. <laughs> She's throwing his own words back in his face. Can we, can we also just appreciate that he entered this conversation with, sorry, dozed off, what did I miss? And then Snape responds with, a girl has just been captured by the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the only good thing that Snape ever does is he's like, hmm, weren't you just saying that you know where the monster is and you wish he'd defeated it, had a chance to fight it? That is the only good thing he ever did in his life was set up McGonagall for the takedown. Oh, God. He walks right into it. Like, he has big younger sibling energy. He just gets trapped. It's so good. Like, obviously... Obviously, he's going to try and run away. But imagine if he didn't. Imagine if he was like, well, I can't run now because I've claimed that I can do it. So I have to try and fight the mm-hmm. monster. And then he got fucking killed by the basilisk. And all the teachers are like, well, we did this. We sent him to his grave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, incredible. Another iconic moment is, uh, <sighs> broken. There's no bones left. <laughs> It's so good. Did you know that for the movie, um, they actually removed the bones from Daniel Radcliffe's arm? And so for the rest of the remaining movies, they had to CGI his arm with bones in it after that scene. (laughs) 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 It's not a fake arm. It's a real, it's real Daniel Radcliffe's bonus arm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so sad that they couldn't afford to put the bones back in his arm. (laughs) I know, that's to CGI. <laughs> and they have to continue uh-huh. doing that for okay. future movies with Daniel Radcliffe. Like yeah. Frankenstein, Swiss Army Man, it's all CGI. Every time you see a photo of him, <laughs> it's photoshopped. <laughs> photoshopped fake <Okay. babies. laughs> Obviously, we've got our silly jeans on now. Happy April Fools, everyone. It's so, it's amazing that, like, there's so many competent people there. Like it's a Quidditch match. Everyone's there, and Gilderoy's like, "I'll do it. I'll fix his arm." When he he knew he couldn't do that. Like he knew he knew he couldn't do that, but in front of everyone, <laughs> he's like, go, "I'll do it." Why? Why did you put yourself in this situation? You fuck with. My favorite detail of that scene is Harry practically begging several times to go to Madame Pomfrey. Like, and the way he phrased it too was so reasonable. It's like, "Oh, she's she's." She's not that far, we can, I I can, it doesn't hurt that much, I can take it to, like, and Gilderoy's just talking over him. (laughs) Harry's so desperate to get out of the situation, and no one comes to save him. (laughs) He's bargaining. He's in the third stage of grief. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I love Gilderoy. Another thing is the Dueling Club, which of course was a fucking mess. Like I just watched that scene before where he and Snape have the fight, and God, Kenneth Brad is a master. Oh my God. <laughs> he fucking takes off the cloak and throws it to the sighing women in the fucking <laughs> crowd. He also has his wand in like a little sheath on his hip and like whips it out. There's perfect. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> He's wearing like fencing clothes. Oh, it's so good. There's a quote on the HP wiki, which is the quote that he gives in the book, where he's like, don't worry, your professor won't be harmed. I'll go gently on him. But it's credited I mean, Lockhart it's not foolishly underestimating Snape's far superior dueling skills. <laughs> the sassiest article. So much is fantastic about the dueling club. The best part is the scene that doesn't happen on the page, which is the scene in the staff room. When Lockhart's like, I'm going to do a dueling club, volunteers to help me, and then he leaves the room and all the other staff get into a heated argument about who's going to get the chance to kick this shit out of Gilderoy Lockhart in front of all the students. Because that had to be an argument, right? Because Snape hates volunteering for things, hates all the students, hates teaching. So there's no way that he wants to be a part of the dueling club for the sake of the dueling club. Flitwick's a master jeweler. McGonagall wants to protect students from Lockhart's idiocy, so they there had to be a massive argument in the staff room about who was going to get the opportunity to do this. How do you think Snape won? Uh, I think, I don't know, I, don't, I honestly don't know, but maybe it was something about like offering to take more like walking around the castle on night duties to make sure there's no students out of bed, because I think that's something that he enjoys to do anyway, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that All of the teachers are like, we've all had to teach him, and we've all had to be teachers with him. We're all even. And Snape's like, no, no. I've had to be a teacher with him. I had to teach him as a student, and I also had to be a student with him in school. (laughs) I've been punished the most. (laughs) I deserve this. Honestly, I can see it. (laughs) So... The last thing I'm going to mention, because we know basically what happens in the Chamber of Secrets itself. Like, Lockhart's just a mess and then he spell backfires. Yeah. So, the last thing I'm going to mention about Lockhart's time at Hogwarts is the Valentine's Day morale-boosting event. (laughs) So... (gasps) Incredible. The Great Hall is fucking covered in pink confetti and cupids and hearts everywhere. (laughs) And the quote says... He even had dwarves wear golden wings and carry harps to deliver valentines throughout the school, which they did, even if they had to do so forcibly. (laughs) What the fuck? so fucked. We still haven't got a satisfactory answer to the question. (coughs) When it says dwarves dressed as Cupid, does it mean dwarves the fantasy race, like in Lord Mm. of the Rings? Or does it mean regular people with dwarfism? Because there's no way to know. I've never had that question answered. Yeah. Because there's no mention (laughs) of dwarves as a fantasy race like goblins or elves or anything in Harry Potter. There's no other reference to it anywhere. But surely it's too horrifying that it's just regular people with dwarfism. How did he find them all? Why is he doing this? Is he Santa? It's horrific. I don't know what's... I don't know what's worth the ablest undertones or the racist undertones of getting a dwarf race. <laughs> like I don't know what's worse; <laughs> they're both terrible. They're both like... very, very bad. <laughs> but anyway, mm. that happened, and also just the fact that like the decorations of getting in the food, Gildoy was making suggestions that you know people could ask about enchantment charms and love potions and make the whole day, like, themed. And the fact that the dwarf, like, that was delivering the love song to Harry tracked him and tackled him to deliver the song because he was being forced into the labour of doing this by Gilderoy Lockhart. Uh-huh. There's so many undertones this event. It's just so yeah, The dwarves are all described as being really angry and surly and grumpy. Like, they're unhappy with what they're doing. They do not want to be here but I guess he's paying them a lot of money or something. I don't think they got paid. <laughs> I don't think I don't know, they got he's paid. Doing, he's forcing them to do it somehow. Yeah, what he probably did... I think he promised them pay and then oblivion them. And then them. wiped their memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what happened. Oh, that's what happened. That's what happened. Of course it is. Oh, Kildarell Lockhart's the worst. Justice for them, honestly. Mm. There needs to be justice. So then we get... To, um, post-memory loss Gilderoy Lockhart. Mm-hmm. He's living in St. Mungo's. He's there permanently. He gets no visitors, but he gets a lot of fan mails. Mm-hmm. When the kids visit St. Mungo's in 95, Lockhart is there, nose pressed to the glass window in a door, smiling vacantly at them. <laughs> it's the most horrific <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, imagine just going to the hospital and you see your former teacher, who you were kind of involved in having... Like, his memory wipes, just fucking face-pressed to the glass, staring at you with this manic grin. like, it's fucking stuff, a nightmare. It's horrifying. Like, the raptors in Jurassic Park, when they, like, breathe against the glass, and it's just the fucking spray <laughs> of, like, <Yeah. laughs> the mist. <laughs> That's what exactly what I imagined. The best part is the nurse there, who's like, oh, he was quite well-known a few years ago. Like, as if none of them are gonna know Gilderoy Lockhart, because mm. he's not famous enough. So, like, his entire life was pointless because, like, three years after he disappeared from the public eye, it's like, oh yeah, nobody knows who this guy is anymore. Incredible. Incredible. I love him. Wow. He really was, like, an internet meme. Like, he had, like, a famous vine for, like, a year and then he just disappeared. Like, it's the exact analogy. (laughs) So, even though this is kind of a horrific end to his story, a horrific and just end to his story... Uh Like, apparently Lockhart's happier now that he's in this situation. He's signing autographs all the time. He never fully recovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but now he can write in joined-up letters. <laughs> this is the things that we learn about Lockhart's experience. It's Yikes. incredible because as a student, he was burning his signature into the Quidditch pitch in 20-foot-high letters or whatever. And then, like, the first thing that he tries to learn to do himself once Mm -hmm. he gets some of his self-awareness back after his brain damage is sign his name. Learned nothing. It's so sad. Sad but just. (laughs) It's pitiful, honestly. He's one of the characters that gets a really just Uh, ending. He does. It's just... It's so incredible that he managed to hide his incompetence for so long. Like, at first it's like, oh, is he a mastermind? But, like considering how rapidly he unraveled under the slightest amount of pressure like it's not like he was so great but then he just got really cocky it's like no everyone around him was just like a sycophant without any critical thinking skills it's the wizarding world that's incompetent the wizarding world allowed this to happen Yeah. The Wizarding World's like ancient Greece, and they see, like, slimy old Socrates that's, like, making some sense, and they're like, this guy sucks, let's execute him. And then they see some attractive person that's, like, dumb as fuck, and they're like, this is our god now. (laughs) That's the Wizarding World. (laughs) beautiful. This beautiful man is my god. Oh, it just so is. (laughs) Favorite things about Lockhart here at the end. First of all... He invented an Occamie egg yolk shampoo, which was too dangerous and expensive oh. to sell. So it subsequently became his dream to market these products. So he created this shampoo, which was supposed to be so perfect, but it was too dangerous to get the How ingredients. could I forget? And so he couldn't sell it. It was too expensive. It's incredible. I love mm-hmm. him. You're right. This does make me think he did study potions because he made this shampoo and I assume he used it on his hair, so he was constantly making this shampoo yeah, for himself. Despite how dangerous and hard it was to get the ingredients. Because his his hair's always described Yeah. Yeah, his hair's always described as perfect. And I reckon do you reckon this is another reason why he hated Harry so much because Harry was getting all that sleek easy potion money and he's like, God, I wish that were me. I want to get money for my hair potion. Yes, he's, Harry's an heiress, not an heiress, Harry's an heir to a potion fortune for hair potions, and he has terrible hair, and he's more famous than Gilderoy Lockhart, and he actually did the defeating the dark arts thing that he's claiming to have done. Harry is Gilderoy Lockhart's ultimate foil, and Harry's, like, never heard of Lockhart and doesn't know who he is. It's incredible. Another thing that Gilderoy Lockhart would hate. Oh, so funny. It's so good. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Here's a direct quote from the HB wiki. His in- ignorance, arrogance, and self-serving nature ultimately led to his downfall when he attempted to use Ron's damage wand to perform the complex memory charm despite seeing the backfires it had caused over the year evidently forgetting the dangers of attempting such a feat or possibly forgetting that the wand was even damaged i never realized that before but like every other teacher every other single one of ron's teachers knew that he had a defective wand but lockhart just didn't notice because he's so self-obsessed and that's why he ultimately wiped his own memory that is so funny He's so self-obsessed that he didn't notice the other teachers talking about it, and it never came up in his classes because they never did magic in Defence Against the Dark Arts. They just read from his books and acted out scenes from his books. (laughs) So... Oh, so good. (laughs) I just... I love that he was so incompetent, he was defeated by two 12-year-old boys, one of whom didn't have a functioning wand. (laughs) And, like, the reason why his fraud and his crimes were exposed was because he just sort of accidentally admitted it. Yeah. <laughs> Books can be misleading. You robbed them. <laughs> My dear boy, do you really think I did everything I said I did? Just fucking flipped. <laughs> he just, yeah. He just snapped. He, like, the slightest amount of pressure and he just snapped. It's also great that, like, oh. if he had been less vain and less self-obsessed, he could have been really, really successful. Like, his plan still could have led to him being really successful and earning a lot of money without doing crimes. Like, he could have just travelled the world collecting great stories and telling mm-hmm. those stories without claiming that he did the things and wiping people's memories. Yeah. And he still would have been, like, the best author in the Wizarding world. He would have. But he needed it to be but, him. No, gotta make everything about him. Yeah. Yeah. He needed it to be him. Of course he did. Okay. Here's the final thing that they will say about Lockhart, and it's the best fact about him. Gilderoy Lockhart, the character, is based on a real person that J.K. Rowling knew, and she will not reveal who that person is. Oh my god. I'm obsessed with this person. <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. <laughs> if, if I die, I'm not going to be able to get into the afterlife, because I need to know who Gilderoy Lockhart is based on. <laughs> Oh man, that is too good. Well, <laughs> ah, it's my unfinished business. I think the only way that we can find out is to ask every person in the world what their favorite color is, and the one person who says it's lilac, <laughs> that's them. Because <sighs> <laughs> no one else, that's, no one else has that as their favorite color. <laughs> no. Just say purple, you dick. Blood orange. It's fucking red. <laughs> I've seen that before, because, like, when I first saw that quote, it was, you know, are there any Harry Potter characters that were based on real people? She's like, oh, you know, everyone's influenced by this. Everyone's got a bit of me in them, blah, blah, blah. But there is one character who is 100% a ripoff of a real person. It's Gilderoy Lockhart, and I can say that because the real person will never, ever, ever think that Gilderoy Lockhart's based on them. Who is this person? I'm obsessed with this person. I need to know who they are. <laughs> They're an icon. <laughs> I do, like, I will say my last thing about Godoy Lockhart is that I love how, that he's a villain and an arsehole an and a crazy man, but he's also not racist because one of his greatest life's ambition is to rid the world of evil and have, like, equality between muggles and wizards, right? It's unclear if this is just something that he says just to get promotion and likes, but I think it is genuine. He has two squib sisters. Yeah. I can see it as real. I don't think that it's, like, his greatest ambition. <laughs> I think he, he doesn't discriminate as... No. No, it's definitely not. I don't think he discriminates because he wants everyone to like him, regardless of yeah. where they come from. So I think that that is the reason that he's not racist. Yeah. But I definitely think that, like, if he had to choose between love and equality for all people and getting his ridiculously expensive shampoo line made, the choice would be clear. <laughs> he would choose the shampoo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he it would is. immediately
0: regret it because ev- then everyone would have wonderful hair, and he wouldn't feel as special anymore. That's true. Because when everyone's super, <laughs> no one is. <laughs> <laughs> I have been Gem forever, a Gilderoy Lockhart stand. <laughs> Uh, I've been Ria, Order of Merlin, third class, honorary member of the Dark Force Defense League, and five times winner of which Weekly's Most Charming Smile Award. But I don't brag about that. (laughs) Oh, I don't talk about that. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hot on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.